WGIF. It's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour and very happy to have you with us. Happy today in the absence of Benny Mathers to be talking to Nathan Detroit. That's that's bad boy Nathan. There oh, if only he was from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the missing piece of the puzzle. We'll try to straighten that out on your curriculum. Well, actually, you know, Detroit is always part of my life in some way. When I was going through high school, I was always getting made fun of in, like, geography classes. I was never good at it. I always thought Detroit was in Texas. Then suddenly it was revealed to me that Detroit is actually in Michigan. But yes. joke's on them. I looked it up. There is a Detroit in Texas. I think the population is like 750 people. Just a little small town. Probably no traffic light or stop sign there. I love that, Nathan. And thank you for bringing that up because every once in a while I'll see something like on the Weather Channel where they'll talk about a place that is not in the right state. But there are duplicate names in several places. Just like if you live in Springfield, right? Right. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, a lot of Springfields, too. We have a wonderful guest, Lauren Archer, coming up in a moment. But Nathan, big baseball fan that you are, I wanted to take a moment to celebrate the life of Vin Scully. Oh, man. 67 years with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think he's entitled to more than a gold watch. 67 years with the Los Angeles Dodgers and a sportscasting career and a broadcasting career that transcended baseball as if there were such a thing. Vin Scully, what a tremendous talent. I can remember being a teenager and summer nights, it would be a balmy breeze. You might be listening at the dinner table. You might be in your car. You might be on your your way to the game, in which case you could hear because they had speakers at Dodger Stadium so that wherever you sat, you could hear Vin Scully when his broadcast partner, Jerry Doggett, would kick things off by saying, it's time to play baseball. And now with the play-by-play, here's Vin Scully. Vinny, thank you, Jerry. Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. Tonight, Fernando Valenzuela and his first start against the arch-rival San Francisco Giants right here where the palm trees grow tall in Dodger Stadium. And it would be just a wonderful experience of having one of the greatest storytellers in pop culture deliver the game to you. I don't know how many thousands of games he called, but he has to have the record. And let me say he was one of a kind. His kind, because he was so unique, will not pass this way again. Such a friendly personality when he's calling games. I mean, when you ever listen to a game, whether it be radio or TV, because he's on some TV in his past, too, it's always like he's just sitting on the couch right next to you. And just, you know, you have a cup of tea or coffee and just really just a nice, pleasant evening at the ballpark. Oh, absolutely. And there were inflections of his that that people have imitated and been influenced by ever since. I mean, he would say Candlestick Park there and he would you just knew it was Vin Scully and you were going to hear these eloquent stories, sometimes sometimes comedic, sometimes really semi-tragic, always dynamic because of his voice, his delivery and his intimate knowledge of the game. Nobody topped him in that regard. The sports writer Jim Murray 
himself, one of a kind, said that Vin Scully could spot a slider from two decks up. Not many broadcasters can claim that. He was truly one of a kind. 94 years of age. He's going on to, I have a feeling, not eternal rest so much as more activity, more dynamism on the other side of the veil. At least that's the way it appears to we who take the metaphysical view of life. Godspeed, Vin Scully. If there are baseball games in heaven, he'll be calling them. And that's right. And if there aren't, he'll get a game together. And what a crew is up there. What a roster waiting already. True enough. And I'm sure he'll say hello to someone whom he regarded very highly. And of course, vice versa, Dave Niehaus. I was going to bring up his name, too. Uh, Yes, and deservedly so. When Dave Niehaus passed, rather suddenly, as I recall, people felt that they had lost a member of the family because he was that intimately interwoven with the fortunes of the Mariners in Seattle baseball. And in the case of Vin Scully, there are millions of people around the country, not just in the L.A. market, but all over the country who feel like they've lost a family member because he had that way of including you. You were a part of the game with him watching or listening together that's why he used to say pull up a chair because he was going to tell you about dodger baseball and all this glory would unfold 67 baseball seasons that's just amazing to me we do love us some vin scully and i'm sure god does too they have a great broadcaster in heaven today we have somebody who we regard very highly. Her name is Lauren Archer, and she is a multi-talented, quite a versatile lady. And she seems to be about this business of making the world a better place. So we thought we might nudge her along in that regard by bringing her on for yet another visit today, Suzanne. Lauren Archer is a mindfulness trainer, hypnotherapist, and heart math coach with over 30 years of experience. In addition to her private practice, Lauren currently serves as executive director of Kinship Earth, a nonprofit networking organization where she hosts a series of events called Kinship Earth Connections for evolutionary leaders and heart-centered earth advocates who are committed to transforming global consciousness from fear and greed to generosity and love. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Welcome once again to Manson Mitchell, Lauren Archer. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Gary. And Gary, as you were speaking, I just have to say to have observed those subtle qualities in those uh, radio and voiceover legends, you definitely embody many of those same qualities. Oh, thank you. Just want to reflect that back. Oh, You're going to knock me off my chair here, Lauren. Thank you. I began working on an impression of Vin Scully when I was 16 years old, so a few years ago there, and it stood me in good stead in high school and years since. There's, I'll tell you this much, and call me a kook if you will, there's a Major League Digest that I get, and for the last several years, Every day I would get that in my inbox and I looked for the news that Vin Scully has passed. I looked for it because he was the unseen, certainly the heard, but unseen guest at our dinner table for years and years. And he was able to pervade the mass consciousness of sports fans internationally, but around America to such a degree that I mean it when I say you won't see his kind again. He was absolutely unique. And if there is such a thing as being born under a lucky star, there was a guy 
who enjoyed all the benefits of love and grace, which he gladly and eloquently and very modestly reciprocated. He could take a compliment, but he wouldn't take it very far because he wasn't going to big time anybody. He said there, as he said goodbye to the Dodger Stadium crowd, he said, I've needed you more than you've needed me. And I just thought, oh, that's I was going to do this. But, you know, I, I love the man and and we're going to miss him. And his influence will be felt for generations to come. Uh, somebody, perhaps who was the president of the Dodgers, said that his voice will remain with us forever. True statement. That is a prediction that will come true. So, but thank you for your kind words, Lauren. And you, a lady of grace and elegance, you've been involved in really kind of, you're the hub around which circles so much activity that has to do with evolving the human race of making us better than we thought we could be. And you've made a career out of that on several fronts. I consider you to be extraordinary. Well, thank you. I guess it goes to reflect on the power of voice. You were talking, you know, you you began with Vince, I'm reflecting on the power of your voice and how welcoming it is. And I think for any of us, if we just make the decision to use our voice to express our passion, our love uh, for the highest good of our community, that's what it's all about. And you've done that so well. You and Suzanne have been hosting the show for 15 plus years now. Have you crossed the 16 year mark yet? Not yet. Next uh, March. Next March. Okay. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. and I remember before it really launched. Uh, yes. I think, yeah. yeah. You've been around that long with us. That long. That long. Yeah. Gary's yeah, voice before, here locally. Yeah, before we were on air. Interesting that we are, uh, you know, hello to Nathan and our original topic is all about Vin Scully because at the very tail end of your introduction, we're, we're talking about transforming global consciousness from fear and greed to generosity and love. Vin Scully would be generosity and love. And so, you know, here is that passing away. And as we're, our conversation today about global consciousness really has to do with being in that direction, being in generosity, being in love not being in fear and greed. And, you know, on our show, we end up talking, we we try to balance it. And it seems like in the last couple of years with COVID, there's been this predominance of of negativity. There's been this predominance of, of, you know, pandemic and politics and things which are very making people very fearful, scaring people as to what is happening, you know, with our country, what is happening in the world. And you, along with others, stand in a very different place. And that's what we want to talk about today. Standing in a place where you can see on the horizon the possibility for greatness and and coming out of where we are if it is a roller coaster if there is ups and downs you're leading us back up again and how are you doing that with kinship earth well good question um <clears throat> yes i have been called from a very early age to this field of consciousness uh because 
I could see, well, I did a little experiment with myself when I was in high school. I read a book by Wayne Dyer and he talked about the, uh, the, the useless emotions of worry and guilt. And that was so opposite how I was raised. And when I started experimenting in my own life as a teenager in high school with all the, you know, mean kids and, you know, everything that people are vying for, figuring out where you belong and social status and all that, I started experimenting with, well, what if, what if I just started focusing more on the good and that maybe people do like me, you know, I would have these these opinions like, oh, well, she doesn't like me because such and such, or this person said such and such. It's like, well, what if I just drop all that and start experimenting? And I found tremendous results by doing my own little psychological experiments. So I kind of kept on that trail throughout my life. Um, with Kinship Earth, I've, I first of all need to defer credit to our founder, uh, a woman named Susan Davis Mura, who was very much doing the same thing in her life. Susan just turned 80. So she's a, a generation above me. And she started in her 20s uh, doing much the same thing. Being, she was working in the world of, of high finance, um, in banking, and seeing that decisions were being made that were all about profit and not so much about the planet. And as, as a woman, she started to pitch some ideas to some of these investors that, hey, maybe we could have people and profit and planet, and it could be successful. And she was laughed out of the room at first because she was a woman. Back in those days, women were not even taken seriously. So she gathered a group of women and they started doing their own investments and they started forming their own groups and becoming more successful than the men. And long story short, she has been very influential in the social investment industry, and she's developed a method of working together in small groups of people who make the choice to focus on what's going right in the world and to focus on making decisions that are good for the planet. And it's more fun, it's healthier. And it, it can be absolutely profitable. And so she's formed all these networks, over 40 networks of what she calls Kin's Innovation Networks of people who come together to make a positive impact on the planet. And I joined the organization um, a couple of years ago and have been helping to expand upon the work that she's done now using modern technology. And so what we are doing is shining the spotlight through a series of events on many of these people who have been creating a positive influence in the world for over 40 years. There are solutions that already exist. As I'm sure you guys know, you probably have had some great guests on here that talk about, you know, we've got, um, we've got marine uh, agriculture, we've got, you know, regenerative agriculture, we've got new ways of solving the world's problems that are sustainable. And yet we don't hear about that on the news. And when we only listen to what's on mainstream news, it continues to feed that sense of helplessness and hopelessness. And, um, you know, it, so I'm going to pause there. I mean, we, there, there's so much to talk about. I want to allow you guys to chime in. But really, I think what we're talking about here is two things. One is your worldview, you know, is, is the world a mean place or a friendly place. 
Um, and is, you know, is nature intelligent or is it like, does the world function like a machine? And the other is where we're putting our attention. And when we put our attention on everything that's going wrong, it's, it's literally going to make us sick and it's, it's making the planet sick and it's making so many people filled with anxiety and depression and fear right now. And so for me, in order to stay hopeful, I know that I have to be putting my attention on those people out there that are creating solutions. And so I'm doing what I can to use my voice to spread the word and shine the light on those people. Lauren, when I think about all the work that you've done and that you continue to do, I think of this, the idea of a kind of a, a fulcrum. Now, is is that is that is that piece of lumber is whatever it is you have, what, whether it's turning on an axis, whether it's tilting on a fulcrum, it seems to me the idea, if we are to make progress, is that we have to give up. And I mean, as a society, as a civilization, we need to give up the idea that when in doubt, get angry. Because oh. there are people who will make handsome, lavish livings getting people to become and stay angry with a, a more or less permanent sense of grievance. That is a very tough nut to crack, my friend. I agree. And um, that is something that I have been called to want to take on to some extent. Um, first of all, energetically, love is just so much more powerful. Uh, and love is is truly the force of the universe. But secondly, when you see the Hmm. What you just mentioned, Gary, it is like the nurturing of, of an angry uh, coalition of people that just stay in that sense of, of madness and entitlement and self-righteousness and that everybody else is wrong. Um, but that faction is using a particular strategy to maintain that. And there's, you know, being a hypnotherapist, I'm very well aware of the power of words and the power of language and the power of emotion. Uh, and so there are specific persuasive strategies that are being nurtured in keeping a, a faction of the population in that state. And so I am pioneering with others in our community how it ways to spread love and ideas that are encouraging and uplifting and focused on the solution um, in a way that can counter some of that. And it's, you know, this is going to be a long-term campaign, uh, but it is something I believe that we can organize and do. I'm glad you said long-term campaign because it seems like the hate campaign was also a long-term campaign. A, a minority of people demanding their way and strategizing how to get it. Um, and I and I like that idea that love is more powerful than anger. Anger comes uh, is reactive and comes a lot faster. And the love is actually a choice, not a reaction most of the time. Don't mm -hmm. you think? I do think so. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it requires a certain level of consciousness to even get to that place. Um, so there's a lot of work to do in terms of education, 
Um, and, and people learn in different ways. So it depends on where they are. But I do, when you mentioned the long-term campaign, Suzanne, you're absolutely right. Um, from my understanding, it has been a deliberate, uh, targeted propaganda campaign for decades now. And what we see on the side of people that we might call cultural creatives, um, many of the nonprofit worlds that are uh, that are out there doing good, we see a lot of independent thinkers that don't necessarily coalesce around one concept. Um, on the other side, however, we see people willing to take talking points, and I and I see this in a lot of uh, mainstream media where there are a set of talking points that are agreed upon and reiterated ad infinitum through all their different representatives. And the those of us who are more um, free in our thinking and focused on global solutions, we don't have that level of organization yet. Boy, so that, I was exactly going to say that. I mean, you you are right in that same thinking. And this is something that Gary and I heard about years ago from somebody else who wrote a book about ethics, saying that when you are an independent thinker, you are not, um, as you said, coalescing. You are not getting people who think exactly like you. So there is a lot of individuality, whereas on, on this, uh, this idea of coming together, it, it's, it really appears that the reason for coming together with a strategy that takes decades is for the purpose of power and control. Yes, I do and, see and that. And so, you know, how, how do you... How do you reconcile that with the majority of people, more people, uh, not the minority, the majority, one out of three with the power and the control, two out of three with love and generosity and independent thinking and creativity and trying to make the world a better place, but you've got one that's organized and one that isn't. I mean, this really drives me crazy. But it sounds like Kinship Earth is actually about bringing some of these disparate groups together that are doing good things. And so that was intriguing me about Kinship Earth. Yes, I, I had the privilege of interviewing one of our Kins uh, alumni. Uh, her name is Heather Booth. And so if, if people want to see the interview, it's short. It's about 20, 25 minutes long. Heather Booth was a progressive organizer back in the 60s. I mean, she was down in Mississippi standing up for rights. Uh, she has been active in, um, in rights for women. Uh, she has been active in progressive uh, campaigns and has an organization called uh, the Midwest Academy, uh, teaching progressive or organizers. And I learned a lot from that and it got me thinking. And, and where we are with Kinship Earth is we are reuniting uh, 40 different silos of networks and inviting people to come together to more consciously collaborate. And what we're seeing now on the, on the forefront is technology, digital technology that will enable 
the connection of all of these different disparate parts. And that's where I have hope. So for example, decentralized autonomous organizations, don't know if you've had guests on uh, with that, but working with blockchain technology, um, being able to organize in ways that are unique, not top-down uh, hierarchical structures, but more collaborative, which is uh, right in line with how uh, most of the progressive and um, cultural creatives are naturally. And I am hopeful that by partnering with a lot of these um, technological advances, as well as people in the consciousness community that want to work together, that we will soon see it's, it's we, what we're doing is self-organizing. And that's the difference. So it's not like coming at people and saying it has to be this way, but it is this beautiful, organic, self-organizing structure that is beginning to coalesce, like Teilhard de Chardin talked about in the newosphere, right? The global consciousness. Um, we are finally, for the first time in human history, arriving at that place where we can communicate with others all over the world instantly. And we can begin to collaborate and unite and join forces in ways that we haven't been able to do before. So right now, yeah, it's still a little messy, uh, but that's part of the process. Messes, you know, it's how the universe uh, creates life, life forms from messes and creates order from chaos. You know, I want to bring you in here, Gary, because um, I'm thinking about the board of directors that you serve on. And Gary was uh, elected to a, a board of directors and the day of the election or the next day, the president of the organization had to resign for personal reasons, leaving the organization without a president. And everybody turned to Gary and said, well, Gary, you be president. And what Gary said was, we all know the work that needs to be done. I don't need to be president. We just need to all get the work done. And that sounds like what you're talking about. So it, do you feel like you're in a self-organizing kind of uh, uh, board right now, Gary? Well, I don't feel like I'm, and I'm here, I'm paraphrasing the great Will Rogers. I'm not a member of any organized board. I'm, a, I'm on the board of directors where I go to church. <laughs> but the great thing about it, and, and really the instructive, the illuminating experience I have had in this role and at this time, is that you get to work collaboratively. If you have common values, if you have a shared sense of purpose, whether you're in the top position or if there is no top position and it becomes more of a collaborative effort, when the values shine through, progress is made and everybody can enjoy the benefits. Absolutely. Yes, it reminds me of the wonderful quote by Buckminster Fuller. Um, you know, and that's something that we adopt in uh, Kinship Earth, that we are playing, we're, we're a bunch of people who are coming together to play what Buckminster Fuller called the world game. And the goal is to make the world work for 100% of humanity in the shortest possible time through spontaneous cooperation without ecological offense or the disadvantage of anyone. And the current president of the Buckminster Fuller Foundation um, or Buckminster Fuller Institute is Tom Chi, an amazing, brilliant innovator. Um, and he summed it up and he said, the goal is to make humans net positive to nature. 
So that notion of spontaneous cooperation is I think what we're on the brink of. And I am hopeful about that. If I, if I didn't have that as, as something to look forward to, I think I would be depressed with what's going on in the world right now. Um, but I, I do see a lot of this as the catalyst. And um, one, of the, one of our partnering organizations is called HIFA, and they build tools for decentralized autonomous organizations. But, but HIFA are the little filaments in um, the mycelial network of you know, mushrooms um, and, the, and fungus. So when, when things are disintegrating in nature, what comes along and, and consumes them is this mycelial network and the, um, the wisdom of nature and, and you know, fungus and spores and mushrooms, they come out and they, they just completely dissolve all, everything that's dying. And so you got to look around at the world right now. We see systems are crumbling. Systems as we know it are just having a very difficult time because they've grown to a certain level and they are they are becoming dysfunctional. And so to some extent when we can accept that the that the disintegration of those systems is a necessary part of the next level of evolution and those of us who are working on sustainable solutions are like the mycelial network and we are coming together and we are we are spontaneously cooperating and loosely organizing we're not trying to build empires we are building more of a of a uh, unilateral circular structure as opposed to a hierarchical structure but it's it's people coming together from the 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 spoils the ruins of of the old systems and rebuilding and creating a new healthier system in alignment with nature's principles. That's a tall order, but we're going to tackle the task on the other side of the break. We've already gotten support from Lauren Archer, Vin Scully, Will Rogers, and Buckminster Fuller. Who else can we bring in? <laughs> Maybe it'll be the Marx Brothers. I don't know. We'll see who's up next. It's our delight to welcome Lauren back yet again. Suzanne, did we look at the uh, leaderboard to see where she stands? On the break. Oh, really? Okay, that will happen. We talk to Lauren often, but never often enough. We're Manson Mitchell. Lauren Archer is our guest. We'll be right back with more kinship and consciousness on the other side of this break, right here on AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. 
The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Lauren Archer, a listener favorite, to talk about kinship and one way we can all change global consciousness. On Saturday, Joey Medea and Craig Ansell discussed the CIA's interest in and experimentation with mind-altering drugs back in the 1950s and 60s. They have the inside story. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Lauren Archer, who is making her 19th appearance on Manson Mitchell. We were saying before the show opened that she has been with us from before the beginning because we knew her, Gary knew her, um, when he worked for another radio station and, and had booked her then as a show producer. And then when he had his own show. Then we had Lauren on this one. So Lauren, long time. Long time. Lauren was the first guest I ever booked as a producer. The first guest. There you go, Lauren. The first guest. I and love, now, I love now, having that honor. And, you know, we were talking yeah. about voice earlier and, and you know, Gary was, was mentioning his admiration for his favorite uh, baseball announcer. And I just want to share something that I've heard and, and really believe in, and that is what you admire in others is nascent in yourself, nascent meaning already existing, budding, it's there. And so Gary, you just have such a remarkable radio voice and radio presence, and the two of you together are so awesome. So it's an honor to, to be sitting in this space with you. 19 times, when it goes to 20, Oh, you know, you, you can expect be... a really, really <laughs> major award. A, cake, a major award. It's a, it's a major award. Hell, <laughs> you say. Well, a couple of those 19, I think, were, were was me guest hosting, right? Does that count? No, I didn't even count your guest hosting duties, which you've oh, done my. several times. It's 19 times that we've interviewed you. But yes, you have been a guest host for us several times when we've... Uh, taken off and so i didn't even count those so wow, wow. all of those well over 20 now. all of those appearances are attended by an asterisk we're talking about <laughs> you as a guest lauren <laughs> well it's been such an honor because you know you, you've been with me throughout the course of my career and early on I was focused mostly on um, my desire to transform my own consciousness and then working as a coach and a hypnotherapist and, um, and a teacher and educator, uh, helping to transform consciousness in individuals, because that's where it all starts. I mean, we have to start with ourselves, uh, but with, with the urgency of our current global crises, I have felt a call to do more 
Um, it's wonderful to work with people one-on-one -on -one and help people overcome sugar addictions and, you know, quit chewing tobacco and whatever else I'm doing. But um, I'm really feeling that every single one of our voices is needed in some capacity to help shift the global consciousness. And those are Susan Davis Mora's words, by the way, from fear and greed to generosity and love. And, and she has this beautiful way of simplifying a lot of these principles to make them non-threatening, non-political, uh, non-denominational. Um, you know, yes, we we work with this notion that the the universe is a living system. You know, we're not part of a mechanical universe, and so everything that's that's arising is emergent, and its life itself is emerging, and so much is happening right now, and. Again, we are seeing the destruction of existing systems, but it's it's a time for hope because that destruction, that disintegration is allowing the emergence of new organizational structures. And we the, the exciting part is we don't necessarily know what it's going to look like yet. So no, no, right? we don't. there is that unknown, which is a little bit scary, but you know what, when Gary and I've been on 15 years now, we've talked to all kinds of brilliant people and, you know, there is a common thread that goes through all of this and you're bringing up many of those threads today. And it, I think part of it um, is the idea of being controlled by the media and the media is controlled by the numbers that they can get in and the advertising they can do. And so it always needs to be very sensational. And, and so the good news really gets relegated to the last 30 seconds of the broadcast. Otherwise it's all going to be terrible, terrible, terrible. Yes, there are terrible things going on in the world and I know people that don't even watch TV because there's so much negativity on television. But we've also talked to people who are saying, you know, don't go to the default, don't go to the news, don't go to the negativity, don't go to the anger, make a choice. And there's a lot of good stuff going on, a lot. And, you know, I think it, it, it is a matter of an individual choice about where you want your life to go. Do you want your life to go in a better direction, in a good direction? You can't be gathering the, the material, the news, and all the stuff that is so destructive and, and at the same time, you, you're saying, yes, there is destruction going on. It's the destruction of the things that aren't working so that we can go to whatever the next phase is. And, and so you, you don't, you don't be Pollyanna. You don't put your head in the sand and say, um, you know, there's nothing wrong. That's not it. it right. It, it, the attitude is, I don't know. I mean, it, all I can do is all I can do. I mean, is is that something that that you subscribe to? To some extent, yes. It's like working within your own sphere of influence, which is one of the reasons I was so attracted to the work of Susan Davis Mora and the Kins Network. So the the concept here is that kindred spirits are you know people who you like, people who you enjoy, and who have a particular 
outlook, typically recognizing that we're part of a living system and that we, you know, work in harmony with each other and we lead from a strategy of generosity instead of self-interest and, um, you know, paying it forward, those types of principles. And so finding small groups of people to work together in your own communities. So you feel like you're making a difference, but you, but one of the principles of Kins is that we each do what we love to do and do well and little else. So it's not like anyone has to try to save the world. You know, you do what, what you're good at and you bring love to what you do and you can have an impact in your community. It may be small, it may be massive. Um, but that to me is much more hopeful than sitting and uh, absorbing all of the negative impacts of the news. I mean, it really can be toxic on the nervous system, as I'm sure you know. So the, the upliftment of exposing yourself to people who are actively working towards solutions. And I can give you an example. There's, um, there's a group in Florida. In fact, we're going to be featuring them on our Kinship Birth Connections um, event series. We do monthly free events, by the way. So if anyone is interested in wanting to learn more, um, they have been working for hmm, probably 10, 11 years already. Um, and they came together as a kins group and they are attending classes and workshops together. They're studying with Fritjof Capra on living systems. They are working with Paul Hawken. Uh, they are studying the impact of love on communities. And they are a diverse group where they've got local, um, uh, you know, officials, they've got, uh, uh, you know, people in government, they've got people in interfaith religion, they've got um, people in, you know, counseling, they've got people in agriculture, you know, all coming together on the ground in their neighborhood. So this is all happening, you know, uh, St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay area, and making impacts, getting laws changed locally, um, getting people to connect and uh, have conversations, people who may be across the aisle from each other, you know, softening hearts, opening minds. So there's, there's an infinite potential of what you can do. This is not about coming in and having to do it a certain way, but it is very much about where you're focusing your attention. We don't want to end this hour without having you give out the information about um, where people can find Kinship Earth, what your website is, if people want to find out more about what it is that you're doing or about you, you know, personally, what are some of the places that they can do that? Thanks for asking. Uh, Kinship Earth is kinshipearth.org. So K-I-N-S-I-S-H-I-P and then earth. Org, and we have some free resources there. Um, there's a free ebook by our founder, Chairwoman Emeritus, Susan Davis Mora. It's called The Trojan Horse of Love, which is, a, a, it's a kind of a guidebook for anybody who wants to spread love through their community. It's like, what is your circle of influence? How can you come in and make an impact. So that's there. We also have um, an ebook that I produced. It's called the Kins Network Playbook. 
And it is a step-by-step guidebook on how you can get together with a group of friends. It gives you some ideas, some templates and formats to go out and make a difference in your community. So that's at kinshipearth.org. We also offer a free monthly series of events. Our next guest is Dr. Elizabeth Satoris, who is an evolution biologist. And she's talking about the story of humanity and how the story of science um, is does not support the story that we've been told uh, that the universe is a mechanical system and that everything is destructive. And she's saying that science is actually supporting that the universe is living and that life uh, recreates itself and regenerates itself. So it's a much more hopeful perspective. So um, if people are welcome to come to that. And then my website is laurenarcher.live. So that's just like it sounds, L-A-U-R-E-N-A-R-C-H-E-R dot L-I-V-E. And I have um, some some popular YouTube videos for people for relaxation, for self-help. Um, my most popular YouTube video, by the way, has over 15,000 views and it's uh, hypnosis for pre-surgery. So a lot of people are finding that useful uh, when they go into a surgical procedure. So I would love to, to connect with anyone who feels called to this kind of work. And there are people getting a lot of surgery. So I would think that would be a very useful thing to do. So thank you, YouTube. And when you go to YouTube, do you just put your name in the search window? Well, you know, Lauren Archer, it turns out is a fairly common name. So uh, I think my channel is Lauren Archer and it's CHT, which when I first became certified, 30 years ago now, uh, stood for clinical hypnotherapist. So Lauren Archer CHT is my YouTube channel. Thank you. Thank you. So people can find you. Yes. I'm curious to know when you look at the political landscape and let's face it, we're all under that bubble, no matter what we do for a living or an avocation, perhaps when you look at authoritarianism on the rise, unless you don't think that's happening and I would be surprised to hear it. It seems like strongman government is coming back into vogue. I wish it weren't the case, but with that being the case, it seems like it is oddly juxtaposed to the kind of work you do, Lauren, where you're about self-liberation, sometimes with a good hypnotherapist at your side, good coaching, a good program that one may take up or a good group to join. As you look forward in a year, two years, five, where do you see the concept of kinship and the expanding frontiers of consciousness in the context of people who think that maybe life was better the way we lived it 50, 60, 70 years ago, and damn it, we liked it that way? Yeah, that is the ultimate dilemma. And, you know, I came from uh, that kind of a, a belief perspective that was you know, my parents' worldview growing up when I first got interested in these concepts, I, I tried to share them with my parents saying, you know, there, there's another way to look at the world. And my dad would say, I don't need anybody telling me how to think. So yeah, I think um, we, we are still polarized. Um, my hope is, again, for a new level of organization that is still emergent, so we don't know what it's going to look like. But with the digital tools we have today, uh, I am hopeful and Kinship Earth plans to play a role. And I know there are many other organizations we're working with, an organization called the Open Futures Coalition. It's really about having more um, 
open access, equal access to information and inviting people to coordinate and collaborate uh, more freely and fluidly, allowing for that kind of, you know, it's called biomimicry, right? So the to mimic nature. So as the more we can allow ourselves to mimic nature in how we organize, the more um, the the more structural integrity it will have instead of being forced. So yeah, we we are up against some very interesting times. I think that's why many of us were born. We decided to take on this challenge. We we know it's going to be challenging. We know it's going to be uncomfortable. We know that we're going to be up against a lot of opposition, and yet we are here to whatever extent we can stand up for the rights of nature, stand up for the rights of individuals and uh, and the health of our planet. And fasten your seatbelts, because <laughs> here we go. I'm curious to know, Lauren, have you changed your perspective in a way that is significant to you over the past? five or 10 years, your approach to living, it's its helpful to find the right mate, as I did. That's yes, always handy. Yes, also, Christian says hello. Says great guy. <laughs> we have supped and we shall sup again. That yes. was why we can't wait to see you folks uh, up close and personal sometime soon. Yes. When you, when you look at your perspective as a professional in these various capacities, have you changed your style in a manner of speaking, become someone that maybe you thought you couldn't be or wouldn't be, and yet did so successfully by an act of will? Oh, that is such a good question. Uh, yes. And it's very specific. And it, it really came as a result of my work developing my online course, which um, it's called Relax Your Way to Success. But um, I use this, this model, this metaphor of an archer. It's my last name, right? Archer. And having an aim and yet realizing, and I can't get into the whole method here. We've only got a few minutes, but realizing that it is not me. You know, if I, if I try to force it or push my will forward. It, that's ridiculous because um, I'm, I think, let me sum that up a little bit better. My big change in philosophy came a couple of years ago when I decided to do what I call a surrender experiment. That's based a lot on the work of Dr. Michael Singer, as well as Dr. Stephen Hawking, uh, or not Hawking, um, David Hawkins, there we go, David Hawkins, who wrote Power Versus Force. And it's this notion of really surrendering the personal will and choosing to deliberately collaborate with the emergence of life and entering that state of not knowing and trusting that there is a higher intelligence that is guiding all of us. That has freed me up to higher levels of performance and being being able to take on greater levels of um of responsibility i think because when when it was all about me or trying to push my agenda uh, there's only so far i could go but with this it's so much more liberating and it's it's a little scary not knowing right you have to you have to be willing to go into that dark place of the unknown and trust but boy that's where the magic happens have you played with any of that yourselves? The I would the, be interested in in reading that book, A Power Versus Force. 
Yeah. 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 He wrote a book called letting go, which was kind Mm -hmm. of an adjunct to that. And, and I know we're getting close on time, but with in, in that book in, in power versus force, he talks about achieving higher levels of consciousness. And he says, in order to do so, you have to get beyond the intellect. And I was like a dog that turned its head, went sideways, like, wait, what? Like get beyond the intellect. How do you do that? Uh, and that is really a big process of surrender. It's also working with the heart as I do with heart math and recognizing that there's another level of intelligence beyond the mind. But, uh, but thank you, Gary. That was a great question. I love it when it shows up spontaneously. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it must've been on my mind there. You've accomplished a lot in this world, a lot in your lifetime, Lauren, and there's still so much more of you to share. That's the thing you, that I feel you have to look forward to. I mean, talk, people talk about reinventing themselves. I took it on as a hobby some time ago. I don't know how many times I've reinvented myself, but it seems to me that when we do that in whatever avenue of life, we reinvent ourselves, even as we're trying to find the core of ourselves. I think that's the biggest challenge anybody could set before themselves and then to pursue that with integrity, with consistency, that's a life well-lived. Agreed, yes, and guided by love, right? If you're doing what you love to do, you never work a day in your life. And it does open up to so many new possibilities. And and also letting go of who you think you have to be, letting go of your ego, your identity of, of you know what you're wrapped up in and being willing to start fresh every day, that's power. You are Very someone, so. Lauren is one of those people, I, I recognize this her, in her, to peel away the mask that we all carry in society to one degree or another, but you readily peel away the mask in order to get real with people, and that takes courage. Oh, thank you. You know, it's funny, because I've, I've worked for a couple of years very diligently about that whole mask feature. And, you know, so many of us in culture grow up with like, we have to wear these roles and we have to look a certain way. And so I've been uh, conscientiously doing my best to break through that. And it's, it's so liberating. So yes, thank you. And you guys demonstrate that so well. Much to talk about. We look forward to time number 20 with you. And (laughs) thank you for giving us of your time today. Very generously. It's always such a joy to spend time with you guys. Thanks for such great questions and for helping to spread the word about all the positive things are ha- that are happening in the universe. So I look forward to, to more. Okay. Take, take it from Lauren Archer. Good happens. And you, join Gary at one o'clock for American Road Trip Talk. Love to have you with us riding shotgun as it were. Have yourselves a great weekend, everyone. Mm-hmm.